Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi there, I'm Lauren McGoodwin, founder and CEO of Career Contessa, and you're listening to the Females Podcast, Summer School Edition. This season, we're heading back to school, career school that is, with experts here to teach us the ins and outs of specific topics. Today's teacher is Leslie McDaniel, a professional career coach, as well as certified in Myers-Briggs Indicator Type Test, aka that very popular personality test you've probably read about on the internet many, many times. Leslie can not only tell you what your personality type means, but she can also administer the test, which is important to note because that requires specific training. Maybe you've taken Myers-Briggs test before, or maybe you're new to this idea of personality tests. Regardless of where your experience lies, we know that understanding the personalities of the people you work with is essential for positive working dynamics. However, none of that means that this is easy. Remember that internal tools like personality type can often be the hardest tools to work on, which is why I'm happy that we have the professional here with us today. And because we're here for that real talk advice, be sure to stick around until after Leslie's teachable moment, because we'll be answering your listener questions, starting with how to manage your friends when you become their boss. You can submit your career questions for us to answer on future episodes by leaving us a voicemail at 844-FEMALES. And now, this is the Females Summer School Edition. Hi, Leslie. Thanks for joining us. I want to start by having you explain what exactly is Myers-Briggs, because we probably have all heard of it, and we know it's a personality test, but really, what is that exactly, and what do all those different letters mean? Yeah. Well, hi, Lauren. Thanks so much for having me on your summer school, but I'll do my best to keep this concise. But the uh, Myers-Briggs type indicator was a tool developed by a couple women, and it's based on this idea of preferences. So there are four pairs of preferences that you might have. And when you take the assessment tool, you get what's what I call a four-letter code. And that code indicates what your preferences are. So just really quickly, the preference pairs are extroversion or introversion, and that's how you like to direct and receive energy. And then the second pair is sensing or intuition, and that indicates how you like to take in information. And then the third pair is thinking or feeling, that illustrates how you like to make decisions. And then finally, judging or perceiving. And this preference pair really determines how uh, or describes how a person likes to approach their outer world. 
Interesting. And what, I guess, what, why are personality, first of all, I love that it was created by women, (laughs) but also why are personality tests helpful? Because I, what I think is really fascinating is that when I was working for a company once, we took personality tests and it actually went, I went from not working super well with this person to after we took the test, working really well together. So how, why is it important to kind of take these tests and how are they helpful? Yeah, and what you just described was really the the motivation or one of the major motivations these two women had. And that is a pretty fascinating story uh, of its, in and of itself. But they're helpful for a lot of different reasons. And the Myers-Briggs type indicator specifically helps us to understand how our brain is wired uh, in relation to how we like to take in information and, and how we like to make decisions. So Understanding that information about yourself can take a lot of pressure off yourself when maybe you don't align with someone else uh, exactly, and it can help you understand other people, Um, can help you communicate better with people, help you manage change in your life better, manage conflict, and so on. Mm -hmm. Do you have any success stories of people who, Mm. you know, took the personality test, maybe worked with a coach like you to better understand their personality and how it's helped them, you know, be more successful in their, in their career and, and life? Yes. So that, yes, this is my life's work basically. And it's the personality type since I work with a specific personality type is woven into all of the work we do. But specifically I worked with a client who had been working on her novel for quite a while. And we did the Myers-Briggs type indicator assessment. And she revealed to me that she hadn't really fit any of the profiles that she'd read online exactly. But when we went through the debrief that we do and went through the very detailed report, it fit her perfectly. And she was able to use that information about, you know, how she likes to work with time, basically, and deadlines. And she used this very specific information in the report to finish the first part of her novel, which is something she had been working on for a long time. So she was working with the ways that, you know, her brain was wired to get that project off its feet. Wow, that's really fascinating. So you can literally take this test, which by the way, I took it before we got on the call and it it didn't take more than 15 minutes. And I and mm-hmm. it was free. Is that the is that the main version that most people are taking? Well, there are lots of free assessments online and they're not actually the official Myers-Briggs type indicator assessments. Uh, they're versions oh, okay. and they do give you similar letter codes, but they it's important to understand they might be based on a different psychology or a typology. There's sort of a lot of systems put together in some of those free assessments. I'm not knocking them at all because they can give you some information, but the official Myers-Briggs type indicator has like a lot of decades of research and validity testing and all of that to kind of back up uh, the results that it gives you. Mm-hmm. And why did you, I mean, when you were launching the career in this, like why did you choose Myers-Briggs to become a certified I, I was going to say test giver. I don't know if that's what, you're, what, what we call you, but like you're certified in being able to give a Myers-Briggs mm-hmm. test, which is, I think, also important to point out, right? Because as you said, mm-hmm. the version I took is free and it's a variation probably of it versus like mm-hmm. what you're doing. Yeah. And it's okay to call it a test. Most people do. In like the official Myers-Briggs language, we would say like assessment or a tool or an indicator because there's no right or wrong answers. And it doesn't actually measure how much you are of something. Uh, It just indicates your preferences, how you prefer to be, you know, with your shoes off self is kind of how we would describe it. But for me, my personality type is somewhat rare. And I know there are a lot of people with my same type who have, 
who have had experiences similar to me. And so that was a motivation for me in helping others like myself understand themselves better. And that then can bring a huge amount of self-acceptance, which is sort of, I feel like, the foundation for becoming whatever it is that you want to be, whether it's starting a new career or a new business. Self-acceptance is sort of ground level, right? Right. (laughs) So I wanted to go and not only further understand my own personality type and this particular system, but to be able to bring that knowledge to other people as well. Right. Can you change your personality type? Like, could you start with... um because I know, I, I forget what your type is, but like you are, oh, I-N-F-J. And the I yes. you said stands for introvert. So like, could you go from being an introvert to becoming an extrovert? Yeah, this is the age old question, right? <laughs> I think a lot of the personality type assessments are built, and in Myers-Briggs as well, is built on the understanding that you are born with a particular type. And that's not, we're talking about personality type, not your entire personality, right? Your entire personality is made up of a lot of different things, like your experiences and, um, you know, beliefs and culture and things like that. So, I don't want to give a really cut and dried answer because I think I could argue both sides, but the understanding is that you're born with, your brain is wired in a particular way. And then of course, just a caveat that I think circumstances can alter the way that you might approach situations and make it look like you have a different type. So I know that's probably not the best answer. (laughs) And I know some people can become more (laughs) extroverted or introverted over time. But the idea is that the base is is always there. Right. No, it's it's really fascinating because mm-hmm. I do think a lot of people take personality tests to try to understand what career they should – you know, there's the What Color mm-hmm. Is My Parachute, which is that obviously very popular book. But I think I, – I like that you said, you know, if you're going through a career change, for example, this is a really good first step to better understand what your personality is like. And I'm kind of curious – how can people, just because someone listening to this might be thinking, that's exactly what I'm going to do when I get to my desk today is, you know, go online and take this. So if someone is thinking about a career change, but they don't know what it is that they want to do, and so they're going to use a personality test to help them get there, how what does that look like exactly? Yeah, well, the first thing I would suggest is just to look at it as a, as a long-range plan rather than just a quick, like, I'm going to taste this assessment, I'm going to get a, a result, and then everything's going to fall into place. Yeah, that's what we all want, <laughs> but it doesn't work like that. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that it is helpful when you go and you read the profile of a free assessment. It can be a starting point, but if you're really interested in applying this knowledge beyond the label, um, I would recommend spending some time observing yourself and observing your, you know, maybe you get the the four-letter code from a free assessment as the baseline. But then think about, is this accurate? Does this actually represent who I am? Um, because it's not about putting you in a box. So I think observing yourself would be a, a very first, a good first step. And studying something called the cognitive functions, which is a deeper layer than those four pairs of preferences I described earlier. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, if you choose to work with a practitioner such as myself or a coach who's familiar with the tool, they can give you an even deeper understanding because they'll help you to verify your best fit type. And they have experience working with people like you, you know, pieces that maybe don't fit exactly right, like I was mentioning earlier with my client. So those are some options. Uh, It's I know everyone everyone would like quick fix solution, right. but that's not really like you get the code and then 
here are your magical careers that yeah. <laughs> well, when someone can invent that assessment, we're all down. No, I exactly. I also think it's interesting because like careers change so much and di- job titles are different today. So it's like whoever does create an assessment like that, it would be almost impossible to keep up with how quickly everything changes. So it's probably unrealistic too. But I would love to also ask, you know, based on like the, the situation I experienced, but what can you do if your personality type clashes with a coworker or even a boss. So what, what are the best steps to take? Because I know um, when I when I did this at my last company, we all took the assessment, which was really fascinating to see it as like a whole team. So I'm curious, like, what if you, you know, if you're a manager and you have your whole team do this because you think it's going to be a great team bonding exercise and you find out, oh my gosh, we all clash. Yeah. And so in that situation where everyone does know their type, that's really helpful. It's not helpful for like, oh yeah, they're such a so-and-so, you know, like knowing their type and then assuming they're going to act a certain way. It's not helpful for that, but it's helpful in understanding how another person likes to communicate, the kinds of information they're going to be drawn to, the ways that they make decisions. So I would say first, with someone like that, that you work with on a regular basis, you're probably going to be having these same kinds of conflicts take a moment to step back and, you know, bring a little empathy to the situation. And that doesn't mean to ignore your own preferences or your own ways of of seeing things, but try to recognize what their preferences may be. Where, Where are the differences and depersonalize it as much as possible. And in that process, you know, consider the story you're telling yourself about the situation, the person or the conflict And if you're working for the same organization, more than likely there's some bigger picture, bigger goal that you're both working toward. So you may have to go back quite a bit, but look at that and see where is, where are the commonalities? How can we work together towards this bigger picture without looking at these little details that maybe we're clashing with at the moment? And then once you've had time to do that, approach them with this new knowledge. So if this is someone, again, that you've had a conflict with on a regular basis, you might do a little pre-work <laughs> and sit down <laughs> and try to identify these areas where you clearly see things differently. Right. It sounds like this might be a good exercise for managers to do with their teams, too, because obviously if there's a conflict going on in your team between two employees, that's that's bad for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. As long as the manager is, again, not putting people in a box and not labeling people, but using it as a tool for furthering our understanding and uh, furthering our empathy and, and perspective or understanding other people's perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. So before we we wrap up, I would love to just kind of say, like, in conclusion, what do you think are some of the most important takeaways when it comes to personality assessments and career success? Mm. Yeah. So this, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but probably again, using this as a starting point is really, really important. Not putting yourself in a box, not putting other people in a box, but recognizing how you like to see the world and how other people like to see the world is really important. I think that's a huge takeaway with personality tests. And then secondly, not just knowing that information, but doing something with it. Don't just stop at the label or the, you know, oh yeah, this is how I am with the recognition that a lot of people experience when they read the profile, but then figure out now, what do I want to do with this? How can I grow from here? How can I use this in my professional or, or personal development? 
Yeah, I really like that because I I do think that's sort of what happens. It's like you're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, that's just how I am. That's just who I am. Yes. Take it or leave it. And so I think your point of like, think about what you can do with this information so that you continue to gr- you can continue to grow both both personally and professionally is a really really important part of what we're talking about because I I do think it's a little bit dangerous to to play with labels and that's kind yeah. of what happens with these I I could totally see that you know getting out of hand a little bit but. I, I, I love this. I think it's really fascinating. It sounds like it's been really like life-changing for you as well. Absolutely. And I, I it, that's what fuels me in my work is because I see that in my clients and the people that I work with every single day, the acceptance, like I said, and then the, the furthering of their own goals and their own vision once they have that knowledge about themselves and others. Mm-hmm. Well, Leslie, thank you so much. This has been um, really, really fascinating. And I would love for you to tell the listeners where they can find you if they have follow-up questions or if they want to work with you, kind of maybe even explain how that works because I'm sure a lot of people, they're probably envisioning this as like therapy a little bit. So maybe you can also explain like what that work actually looks like. Yeah. So there are some pretty major differences in coaching and therapy, but one main thing, I don't want to draw blanket statements over therapists, but for coaching, we are forward moving. So we typically want to take someone from where they are to where they want to be. And so if someone is interested in that, and I usually, I typically work with INFJ women, women who have the INFJ personality type, they can find me at lesliemcdaniel.com. It's my website. Uh, They can search for me on LinkedIn, of course, and on Instagram, I'm the INFJ life, but I would love to have a conversation with them if they have a vision for their future and they feel as if they're holding themselves back and that vision could be a new career or starting their own business, but some big picture idea of what they would like in their future. And I would love to come alongside them and help them to make that a reality. Awesome. Well, we'll make sure to include that in the show notes. Well, thank you again, Leslie. I think this has been eye-opening that we all cannot just go around labeling ourselves with our personality Mm -hmm. of letters. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Let's take a quick break to talk about today's sponsor, Care Of. I bet you're a pretty busy person, right? You're probably catching this podcast while on the run from meeting to meeting. I hear you, and so does Care Of. When you're constantly on the move, your nutrition intake is likely the first thing to suffer. I know that's what it's like for me. That's where Care Of comes in. Take their online quiz to find out if you're getting enough protein, fiber, and those good fats. If you're like me, you might fail this quiz, but not to worry. Care Of's customized protein powders ensure that you're getting the protein you need every day in easily stashable nutrition packs. Don't think protein is important? Well, it's actually the building block of any healthy diet, and it's responsible for nurturing our organs, muscles, skin, and even our hair. These delicious protein powders are made from real, natural ingredients, ones you'd recognize from your own pantry. Hello, pumpkin seeds. The best part? You don't even need to think too much about it. Because we are not all nutritionists, Care-of provides honest guidance from scientifically established diet guidelines and clinical research in a way that's clear and easy to understand. Aren't we all thankful for that? Give yourself an extra boost this season, whether you're looking for more energy or just ready to feel your healthiest with 30% off your first order. Go to takecareof.com and enter females30 at checkout. Again, for 30% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com and enter females30. All right, now let's get back to the show. 
All right, it's that time in the show when we hear real voicemails left by you, our dear listeners, and do our best to give you some real talk career advice. And to help, I've invited Kayleen Cajas, our content director at Career Contessa, to also give her two cents. Hello, Kayleen. Hi, I'm happy to be back. All right, so today's voicemail is all about how to manage your friends when you become their boss. Let's listen in. Hi there. I'm a long-time listener of The Female, so thank you so much for offering this career hotline to us. Um, my question is about becoming the manager of my coworker. I work with a woman who's my age and has the same job title, but she manages different accounts. Um, I was just told that I'm getting promoted and I'm absolutely thrilled about it, but it also means that I now have this coworker reporting to me. How can I become the manager of my friends without making things weird with our relationship? Thank you. Okay. <laughs> this mm, is a tricky one. I know. This is a tricky one. So basically, you're friends with somebody and now you're getting promoted and you're going to be their boss and you're wondering can you keep your relationship? My short answer is not the way it's been. What do you think? I mean, yeah, from the get-go, there's going to be changes. If if the friend is your real friend, though, she should be really happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, I mean, your friend might be happy yeah. for you, but it doesn't change the fact that you are now going to be their boss. And so your success or, you know, you being successful at your job relies on the fact that you make sure that your team performs and that means, you know, if your if your friend used to tell you about her slacking off, you know, on Fridays at four o'clock in the afternoon, like that 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 change that just that alone changes the relationship now. So some advice we would have for this specifically is just start by understanding that your relationship is going to shift and managing those expectations I think is really important because your role is changing. And so that can help. And then I know that we also talked about the fact that just because you got this promotion doesn't necessarily mean that you know how to be a manager yet. So there's also going to be that shift in kind of just like a learning curve for you too. Yeah. So I think when you become a manager, you might want to, I don't want to say make new friends, but kind of forge new relationships, maybe on the management level, because just because you got the promotion, you have the title, it's on your LinkedIn resume. It doesn't, doesn't mean that you know everything overnight. So I think it would definitely be building kind of a new team and getting support from, you yeah. know, other management level people to, you know, figure out what the best steps are and, and how to manage, you know, when that imposter syndrome comes in of like, I wasn't the manager last week. How, how am I supposed to handle this now? Right, right. And also I think, you know, when it comes to having other people that you can talk to and get advice from, having this new group of people who have been managers before, they probably have gone through a similar uh, transition where they were friends or and, and then they became the manager. And so they might have tips and advice on how you can deal with it. But also, there are the people you can go to to ask really challenging questions, to vent about like, hey, this thing on my team is happening. It's not going well. So I also, it's not that you're losing your friend, but you definitely want to create a new support group at work that, because this person now reports to you. So you can't be asking for their two cents on everything all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing we talked about is clarity first. So you want to talk about that? Yeah. So I, I mean, this would be just kind of sort of covering yourself from day one. It's setting up structures. So everything's really clear. So you don't have to have those kind of weird conversations with your friend. Like, I don't understand why I'm doing this. What is she doing? What is he doing? Right. Um, it would be setting up kind of, you know, if you're managing a team, it's managing the roles of each team member, what everyone's expected to do, who everyone's expected to report to, just just making everything, always putting things in writing, having a paper trail, and setting up structure from day one just, it safeguards you against 
problems that could come up. I think it allows you to be that fair manager for everybody. So if everybody knows what the expectations are and how to work as a team, et cetera, then when conflict happens, which of course it will, (laughs) you know, your friend doesn't have to feel like you're picking on her because you're her friend or people don't have to feel like you're not picking on her because you guys were friends. I also think it's really important when you become a manager and, you know, you were really good friends with someone before that you don't use any of that information I don't want to say against them, but let's say you know or your friend would always tell you like, hey, when I'm doing this, I'm really doing that, right? That would (laughs) be a bad look. Yeah, like you can't (laughs) then use that against them. Like you can't in your one-on-one be like, well, I know you really hated doing this assignment with so-and-so, but you're going to have to continue doing it. Like you have to be really – you just have to really be careful about not using that insider information either. You basically have to trash that insider information. Yeah. Um, Which brings us to our next point. It's the sad one. But, Ms. Manager, your happy hours are over. <laughs> uh, trash-talking days are over. You have to find a new outlet, even if it's your mom. Yeah. Just no, no more of that with your friend. What I realized, too, with team happy hours when I became a manager is, like, people truly had more fun when I wasn't there. <laughs> so either uh-huh. – I know. It's just, it's just, you know, that's the reality of, like, when your boss is there, it's totally different. It changes the vibe than when you're there with all your friends. So be mindful of that. You know, it's great for your team to be able to build new relationships. And also, you know, if you're going to do this the right way and kind of put that structure in place and a little bit of distance between you and your friend, don't be sad when your friend gets a new like work wife, so to speak. So I think I think there's definitely ways to like stay in touch and, and, and keep your relationship, but it, it is going to change. Just in a a more appropriate, like, work relationship, I guess. Right. And, I mean, really, truly, your your goal as a manager is to make sure – the team overall is successful and they perform. And so, you know, you, you are also going through a whole change that maybe that person is jealous that you got the job instead of them or something like that. So I also think, you know, you want to, you want to share, you know, Brene Brown always talks about like sharing your vulnerabilities, like letting people know, like I'm figuring this out as we go. Like I, you know, I'm really open to feedback. I think all of that's great without it all of a sudden, like being such a big paradigm shift that people or like, well, overnight she just like, you know, turned into the boss, you know. So, but also recognize like they might say that about you. Well, she came in on Monday in a red power suit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who does she think she is? Oh man, it's it's not an easy transition, but I have full faith that if you find some good other, you know, good other managers who have done this before, like they can be your support group. And also having that structure in place will at least allow you a good like filter system. So like, you know, this is the rule for that. And it's written down before there's any drama related Mm -hmm. to it. So absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the females. If you want to leave us a voicemail, we'd absolutely love that. Just call 844-FEMALES. The quick cheat sheet for that is 844-336- Two four five seven, and we'll be back next Tuesday with Felicia Jadzak and Rachel Murray to discuss navigating power and privilege in the workplace. But until then, you can follow us on at Career Contessa on Instagram. Share this episode with your workwives and Instagram community with hashtag The Females Podcast, and listen to this sneak peek of next week's episode. 
it's not about you as a person and how you operate in the world. It's about understanding where are those elements of diversity, where are those group memberships, and how can they afford you a privilege, even if that doesn't mean that you get like a check in the mail, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times people will say like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm a white guy, but I didn't go to college or like I, my parents were poor and I didn't have all these benefits. And that's that can be absolutely true on an individual level, but from a societal level, that white guy is absolutely privileged. And so it's understanding that nuance, which can be a delicate conversation, especially for people who've never really had to think about this before.